What is happening, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 70 of RizzoCast. I'm Stephen Rizzotto, along with Jasper Lindsay, and we are booming into the second half of the Major League Baseball season. Jasper, uh, I mean, playoff race is happening, you know, players coming off the DL. We just had the All-Star game. How are you feeling? What's going on with you? I'm just excited for what's going to happen in the NL East. I mean, and even the NL West. Honestly, just the entire National League. I just can't tell which teams are contenders and which aren't. And I mean, the NL East especially, but it's just going to be a fun ride because you know things are going to get crazy. I mean, we already saw today, like, the Mets getting messed up at PNC. Like, think crazy things are just going to happen, and I'm really excited for the second half. I am too, and, and we're going to get into some of the previews for the second half coming up in just a bit. Um but as I mentioned, the All-Star game has come and gone. And, uh, you know, we saw the Home Run Derby. We saw the All-Star game. It's just a big event. And, and I, I think that personally, it's still the best All-Star game in sports. Uh, and if you look at the ratings, it did pretty well. I think it got like, you know, one million less viewers than the NBA Finals on the same night, which, which is-, is incredible. I mean, that's incredible, but the all-star game for me is it's the, uh, it's the big one in all the sports. Yeah. And I mean, despite Fox and major league baseball's effort to mess up something so simple, it's the fact that it still pulled in viewers is pretty incredible. I mean, and we talked about this, you mentioned this earlier, but our biggest beef with the home run derby is the fact that they didn't even show us the distances and they, they keep trying to push these stat cast editions of broadcast. And it's just ridiculous. Cause you don't have enough like war and wins above or, or I already said wins before, but yeah, you don't have any of these crazy stat nerds that just love baseball like that. You have people who just want to see guys hit the ball far and know the distance. Yeah. And, and I'm very disappointed about the distance. I mean, other than that guy falling on his face, which is great um, yeah. on the, the Matt Olson's during Matt Olson's around. I mean, people want to see the distances. I mean, that was probably the biggest disappointment for me too. Um, especially like in past all-star games, like the ball would land and it would have like the arrow point, like the little arrow marker with the distance. Yeah, exactly. And it was so perfect. And like someone hit one, I think uh, might've been Alonzo or I don't know. I don't know who hit it, but and in passing the broadcaster said, Oh, that one was 510 feet. And it's like, wait, which one? Cause yeah. there's home runs going everywhere and you can't tell which ones, you know, some are going far, some are, you know, it, everything's happening at once. They didn't even show a replay of, and I know they can't with the timer, but they didn't even show a replay of the one that went 500 and something feet. <laughs> yeah, and it was hilarious just because they had kind of that split screen where they were showing opponents and in interviews. And then the second they actually interviewed someone, like I'm pretty sure they interviewed Cedric Mullins during Trey Mancini's round. And we never even saw Cedric Mullins. So it was just Cedric Mullins talking. And it's like, what does this guy even look like? Like we're watching Trey Mancini hit. It just made no sense to me whatsoever. And that's just the state of baseball. I don't, they try their best to figure it out, but I just don't think they will. The timer is so much better, though. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So much better than the whole 10 outs thing that we've become accustomed to, like for the history of the Derby until a few years ago. Um, but there's a few big storylines during the Derby. I mean, like Otani just coming back in the first round there. That was pretty insane. Trevor Story with the upset of Joey Gallo. That's pretty insane. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Trey Mancini, that's gotta be number one. I know Pete Alonzo won the thing and he did it, you know, with ease still had like a minute left. 
yeah, but Mancini is is the big story for me. Yeah, absolutely. No, yeah. and I mean, yeah, go ahead. Trey Mancini, awesome for him to like. It's awesome for Baltimore to have a guy because I feel like they haven't really had a guy in a while where they can like really rally behind him. I mean, even when Chris Davis was kind of hitting all those home runs, he fell off pretty hard, and he didn't really get the loyalty. I mean. I mean, he honestly became a meme because of how bad he was. And it's nice for Baltimore just to have someone to root for finally, you know? Who's the last, like, great – was it Adam Jones? Did Adam Jones have it that kind of pull? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think Adam Jones. Manny. Uh, Manny Machado. Yeah, like those guys. Because those were some pretty good teams out in Baltimore. I mean, they were always, like, kind of – they never really had a true championship window, but they had – teams that could get into the playoffs and at least compete. I mean, that, I mean, that was also those years when Toronto had those great teams that would just like everyone in their order could hit home runs. So they always run into them and they get eliminated, but yeah, it's nice for Baltimore to have some guy to root for. And who's better than Trey Mancini? I mean, what this guy had colon cancer a year ago, stage three at that. And mm-hmm. he's back in the plan and hitting home runs. It's, it's crazy. Yes. Yeah. Like you mentioned a year ago, chemotherapy and like it's i mean it's easy to to underestimate like the power of like being young and stuff but still like i mean you can make the argument that it's easier to bounce back but like the highest level of baseball the national stage yeah i mean he probably didn't know it at the time but like i mean that's inspiring a whole ton of kids who you know either have dealt with cancer or have cancer or in or in remission and I mean, it's pretty crazy what Trey Mancini did. And again, back to Alonzo. I mean, this guy's made for the home run derby. I mean, he didn't yeah. even care that he wasn't at the all-star game uh, and he wasn't a selected all-star. He went off. <laughs> it was pretty amazing to watch. And his pitcher. Um, the, yeah, the, the pitcher, uh, they did the overlay of his pitches. Uh, and it was the Mets bench coach. I'm forgetting his name. But wow. Uh, I mean. Strange. No, no, Joss, Joss, Joss. Joss, that's right. Um, Joss pitched to him, and it was it was amazing. So, you know, what did you kind of take away from Pete Alonzo's effort there? I mean, hey, that's just the polar bear, man. I mean, we kind of all forgot about him because he was kind of stuck on this Mets team that can't decide whether they want to compete or not. Um, and he did have a slow start. I mean, he was one of those guys who got kind of hit hard, but, like, not only the injury bug, but just the fact that – Hitting was down this year, and he wasn't having the average. He wasn't getting the ball out as much. Um, but, I mean, hey, Pete is great for the game. It was hilarious when he hit that kid and just stepped out of the box and started dancing. That was incredible. Um, I mean, he's just one of the great personalities of the game, and it's nice to see these personalities shine on national t- stage and have people watch, like get to know these players. It's just great for the game, I think. You know what else is great for a game? A all-star game in Colorado. Oh, How yeah. cool was that? But also, I was surprised Pete didn't get fatigued. I mean, I think we really saw, like, the Coors effect. Not only, like, the fact that the ball was flying, but the fact that you're so high. Like, guys got fatigued a lot easier. got hard to breathe. Like, I think you saw even Trevor's story at times was, like, just trying to catch his mm-hmm. breath while he's taking swings. So, I think it was a fun event. It was great for the game. And it was nice to kind of have a sense of normalcy where we got a home run derby at all this year. Yeah, no, 100%. And I look forward to Pete Alonzo participating in more of those because he's the guy to beat right now. Um, 
but to the all-star game and you know the national league never wins these i mean but obviously everybody's pointing at the mike situation and and they mic'd up players like most innings does that like interest you at all because i know for me i think it's good that it's happening now like in the all-star game and not like down the stretch in a pennant race like that's better you don't want to be talking to like an outfielder like game 162 and it's important you know so i'm glad they're doing it during the all-star game yeah well i think it's great for like all-star game spring training kind of when games don't matter and guys are playing a little more loose but i think the problem is the guys they choose to mic up like Xander Bogarts, I remember he was hitting and he just kind of seemed like just so fed up with Joe Buck. And was it John Smoltz on the call too? Yes. Yeah. So he just kind of seemed like this is such a waste of my time. What am I, why am I doing this? You know? Um, but when you can get guys like Chris Bryant, I mean, he probably didn't want to do it because they just berated him about getting traded, but you get guys like Chris Bryant, you get the fun personalities of the game out there. I mean, it was cool. And obviously Liam Hendricks on a hot mic was awesome. Whose idea was that? I don't know, but you know Fox paid a very nice fine to the FCC. Oh, 100%. Yeah. No, it it ended up being like gold television. But like, honestly, what was Fox thinking? Putting a pitcher who, I mean, you don't want to suck in the All-Star game. So you are trying to get outs. So why would you put him? It's just mind boggling to me, but. No, but the odd pitchers too, man, like him and Grant Balfour, like they're pretty quick on the draw when it comes to cursing. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, it was definitely a, it was a fun event though. But yeah, imagine like being at the plate and like you hear someone saying what's coming and you're like, shut up. Or you're yeah. like, come on, you got to get, come on. Dude, it's or, yeah. The fact that Joe Buck always like kind of baits him to keep talking is the most cringy part of it. Cause it's like, yeah. Arnie, can't you give us something? I'm Joe Buck. <laughs> yeah, but they're blaming Joe Buck. But like, I mean, if it were up to him, I don't think that he would want the players mic'd up. No, his I mean... job as a journalist is to get them to talk, and mm-hmm. they're not talking to him. Like, what can you do? So that's what I'm saying. Just mic up the right guys. Yeah, no, 100. percent And don't ask about trades. We were talking about this earlier. Don't ask guys who are on the block about getting traded. They don't want to talk about that. And it's an awkward. It just becomes an awkward situation. Exactly completely but uh, unless you're big poppy and you can kind of make the joke about it and like make the guy feel and that's just big poppy being big poppy but like when fox says hey ask chris brown again getting traded he's not gonna answer you with like that's also a guy who just loves where he plays already and the fact that he's getting traded already like i can't see chris brown in a jersey other than the cubs me neither so that's something he clearly doesn't want to talk about so just avoid the topic man yeah no 100 percent, i agree but the cool thing about the all-star game is and the cool thing about baseball is um, it's a world game. And we saw a Japanese guy get the win. We saw um, a Dominican guy get the MVP. And we saw an Australian get the save. So that's pretty awesome. And uh, we, we definitely love to see that for sure. And it was the Shohei Otani show. We didn't even mention him. I'm, we mentioned him on like everything ever <laughs> and well, yeah uh, you mentioned viewership earlier what's the viewership in the u.s or do they count international too i don't know that's a good question because i mean so you had to have a lot more views from asia with Shohei on the mound and even australia probably mm-hmm. yeah home run derby and again that's the great thing about Shohei Otani. and Stephen a smith had a very ignorant comment uh and yeah. just you know i i think that was just him trying to get his feet where, and we didn't plan talking about this, but I guess it's a nice 
Segway. Even if you're not a baseball guy and they try and get him to talk baseball, it's never going to end well. Um, I mean, what, Max Kellerman was probably – okay, first off, he's on a debate show, so he has to mm-hmm. take the other side of the debate no matter what. And that's just – I don't know. We can get into how ESPN prompts are stupid all day, but I think it was just – it was stupid. And the fact that people care about what Stephen A. says when it comes to baseball. Well, yeah, it's that and the, t- the two sports that Stephen A. is fixated on, the international – you know, the international number of, or I should say the number of players that are like international and speak Spanish and speak maybe Japanese, speak different languages. It's completely down compared to baseball. No, so, I mean, basketball, you can make the case. Basketball is pretty international at this point, but football, definitely not a lot of international involvement. Mm-hmm. In that one. Yeah. So, I mean, there is, and Stephen A said afterwards when he apologized, Hey, when we talk baseball, we don't talk about Joey Otani because when we talk baseball, our numbers go down. But if you're ESPN, you should be talking about all the sports. It doesn't matter. Like, yeah. I mean, that's your job. It doesn't matter what people think about baseball. But I guess now in the yeah. world of viewership, I guess it does. So, well, Do you remember when like Baseball Tonight and MLB Tonight were flagship shows and now they're just jokes? Yeah, now Baseball Tonight's like one day a week, maybe. It sucks. It sucks. It honestly sucks. And, you know, Max Kellerman, I think his first sport and his favorite sports baseball. Uh, And, you know, it's, I don't know. It's definitely a shame. ESPN is, as my uncle Pat would say, if he's listening, he told me this the other day, it's a shell of what it used to be. So, uh, and and Stephen A. Smith, uh, just an ignorant comment. I like player. There's different players in sports where they don't need to say a whole lot. It's part of their image. Derek Jeter didn't need to say a whole lot. You know, Shoei Otani, I mean, just play. Mike Trout, same thing. Doesn't need to say a whole lot for him to be great. Yeah. So that's that's definitely uh, not – I I didn't want to talk about that, but – Absolutely. Like, it's just stupid for Stephen A. to say that in the first place. It shouldn't even be a topic of conversation. Shohei is the face of baseball. Mm-hmm. At this point, yeah. Somebody who wasn't at the All-Star game, uh, who is now going on the disabled list for the first place New York Mets, Jacob DeGrom, the best pitcher in the game right now. Uh, and honestly, when I saw this, and you know, he's basically hurt now like every other start. Uh, but when I saw this, I immediately thought of Sandy Koufax and how Sandy Koufax was out of the game at uh, you know 30 years old, 32 years old because of his elbow. And, you know, Jacob DeGrom, not his elbow, but his forearm. But, I mean, basically, it's the same thing with these injuries. I mean, one thing leads to another. Uh, And it is concerning for a Mets rotation that is supposed to be great and always is supposed to be great, but is banged up a little bit. So are you concerned at all that, you know, uh, DeGrom is on the shelf and we're going to see a DL stint for him? Not really. It's 10 days. So, Yeah, you're losing him for a week. You're losing him for a couple starts. But if you get down at all, I don't think it's that hard to make a ground in the NL East, right? I mean, no team seems like they're locked in. I mean, obviously, Atlanta's going to make whatever moves they have to at the deadline to get back in first place and try and prove that they are the team to be in this division. But I think the Mets are fine, honestly. Their problems stem from hitting, first and foremost. Pitching has never been a problem for them. Uh I mean, you, you honestly forget they have Marcus Stroman and you forget they have, uh, I don't know, Carlos Carrasco and Noah Syndergaard are both still hurt, but 
you forget they have guys that are just pitching well and are like losing games. Like they have bad win loss records, but you look at their ERA and they're like sub three. So I think the mess just, I think they really wanted to hire Carlos Beltran and having to settle for Luis Rojas hurt them. If we're being completely honest. Yeah, that's definitely a fair argument um, for sure. And, and they Taiwan Walker's had a good year, but there's not much depth outside of that. So I don't know how much you could trust Noah Syndergaard in a big spot right now. Obviously they're not going to, I mean, him coming back. Yeah. Him coming back in a playoff race is just weird. Same thing with Carrasco. I mean, automatically you're, they're not favored at all in a, in a postseason series because of their pitching. And if they have DeGrom starting twice a series, that changes everything. (laughs) So, I mean, you hope he's healthy. Baseball hopes he's healthy. Um, but yeah, Syndergaard Grom though is the fact that he throws a 90 mile per hour slider. Like, and that's the same thing with Syndergaard. Like I could have sworn my uncle dropped this take on me when Syndergaard and DeGrom first broke in the league and they were throwing like these crazy now 90 mile per hour sliders. And he was like, yeah, that's not going to hold up. And we've seen it. Their arms can't hold up because that pitch it's You got to snap it. And if mm-hmm. you're snapping it and you're trying to get it as fast as possible, you're going to hurt your arm. You know, it's just going to happen. Yeah, slider is definitely the worst pitch on your arm. And I, I've i always wondered, and I think it's true, I don't know, but I've always wondered if velocity has anything to do with the rise in Tommy John surgery. You know, I, I think that there's not enough data. But, I mean, I, I, I think so. I mean, I would think yeah. so. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, and plus, I think a part of it is that, you know, all the injury bugs among pitchers, there's two things. Number one is the relevant, you know, about is relevant about this season. Guys did not work hard last season in terms of innings uh, just because of the shortened 60 game season that and also starting pitchers only go five. So if you throw five innings, it's considered a success. So there's guys coming out of the bullpen and they're told, hey, air it out for this inning. Just give us everything you have air it out. And then, oh, next night. Hey, remember what you did yesterday? Do it again. Air it out. And it, you know, builds up with 65 games appeared in and boom, Tommy John. So, I mean, it's not a surprise at all. I mean, we're just, they're just taught to leave everything out there. Starting pitchers. If you're going so short in the games, you probably don't need anything for the eighth inning because you won't get there. So just empty it out now. So it's, it's wild. It really is. Honestly, it seems like the middle relief pitcher is probably the most expendable position in pro sports. Like you see different guys hopping up there every day and guys get hurt. It's like, honestly, if you're not a setup man or you're not a closer, you're never safe. You're always pitching for your life. So you're going to give everything you got. And if you get hurt doing that, you're kind of screwed. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Yeah. And you're always bouncing around the league too. I mean, just guys all over the place. Hunter Strickland's been... I just looked at where Hunter Strickland is. I thought he was with the Rays. He's not. Angels for like a little bit. And now he's with the Brewers. I mean, it's just yeah. middle relievers just have the raw end of the stick. That's what it is. I mean, they're they're big league arms, but they're just expendable, as you mentioned. Yeah. Um, What do you think about the Mets black jerseys? Because I know when I, I mentioned we were going to talk about this, you groaned. But I like them. What do you think? I like the nostalgia factor. I've never liked the look Um, and just Nike's streak of jerseys lately and redoing them has not been great. I mean, what we talked about the city connect being atrocious and even the all-star jerseys being atrocious, but 
I mean, it's classic Mets. If the Mets can play well in them, I think it's great. If they play poorly in the Blacks, I think that city is going to burn down. <laughs> yeah, no, I just get shades of of David Wright wearing the black David Wright and Jose Reyes. By the Piazza way, even yeah, Piazza. By the way, electric left side of the infield. Oh yeah, David Wright and Jose Reyes. Are you kidding me? That is like people forget how good those guys were, especially Jose Reyes. Like we know David Wright was great, but. Jose Reyes was extremely good. <laughs> yeah, are like, we gonna say are we are we ready to drop the take that he's the last speedster to bat above three hundred? Ooh, I'd have to dig into that. That'd be a good show topic. Um, you know, different, different. You know, we should do like a, yeah. a an award show type thing. <laughs> That'd be cool. But yeah, Jose Reyes, yeah, definitely two eighty three hitter. I'm looking at his his page now, but with the Mets. A career uh 282 with the Mets, 283 lifetime. But those years where he was like really, really good in stealing all those bases, I mean 78 steals in 2007. You just don't see anything close to it anymore. Exactly. So just wanted to give Jose Reyes and, and David Wright a a quick shout out. Uh let's stay in that division. Uh and let's talk about uh, the Braves for a second because they I mean, we talked about uh, DeGrom being out for a few starts, possibly. But here's someone that's going to be out for a whole year, and it's one of baseball's most gifted players, Ronald Acuna Jr., Torres ACL, trying to make a running catch at the warning track against the Marlins, uh, and Jazz Chisholm ended up getting a uh, inside-the-park home run out of it. Just a really unfortunate situation. Uh, so he'll be out for the year. Uh, and a guy who was looking like a possible MVP candidate and a big part of that Braves team. It sucks to see, you know, you never want to see anybody get it, anybody get hurt, let alone the, the best players in the game. Um, this sucks, Jasper. I, I, I'm running out of words, but it, it's definitely not the ideal situation. Well, also, if you're Atlanta, that's now two outfielders. And given what Mar- Marcelo Duna is a douchebag and deserves to be out of the league right now, but. If you're the Braves, you had two kind of guys who we were talking about being MVP candidates coming into the year in your outfield, and now they're both gone. So, I mean, you traded for Jock Peterson, but they're going to need to make some more moves, I think. Um, but it's time for Ozzie Albies to definitely step up and kind of put himself as the big bopper in this lineup. Freddie Freeman, too. I mean, I, there's no doubt these guys are still going to put up runs, but losing an MV, the probably one of the league MVPs if Tatis got hurt to an ACL for the year is just, it's tough. There's no way around it. And especially in a time where you're three games out of first place and you're looking towards the second half to really get things going. This is just a huge step in the wrong direction. Their outfield sucks. (laughs) Their outfield sucks. There's no way around it. I mean, they had probably one of the best outfields in the game, definitely the best corner outfield in the game. Um, You know, with Ozuna having, a very good year last year and, you know, signed to a big deal this off season, but you've all, all of a sudden gone to maybe the bottom. I mean, the bottom of tier, Here, the bottom tier of outfielders. They're outfielders right now. Jock Peterson, mm-hmm. Guillermo Heredia, Ender Enciarte, Ejire Adrianza, and Abraham Almonte. It's not good. It's not good. Not good. And again, we mentioned the wildness of the National League East, and it continues. It really does. But, oh, man, that is such a big drop-off. 
Like in Jock Peterson, it's great. And we're going to talk about this now too. Um, and Jock's now played in a few games with them and he's, he's homered once, I think, but you know, that's the first of the Cubs big fire sale. And, you know, they signed him this offseason hoping that he could hit lefties, basically hit lefties and be a more athletic version of Kyle Schwarber. Be an everyday um, guy. Be an everyday guy for the first time. Dodgers never let him hit face, you know, left-handed pitching. And it worked out a little bit. It was kind of average offensively. But it's going to be interesting to see what he does with the Braves. Definitely. But is he enough? Is he enough, though? <laughs> no, they're going to make a move. They'll probably try and go after Mitch Hanniger. This might be a year. That's a good one. Yeah, Mitch Hanniger is a good. Would be a good pickup for them. This might be uh, the year where the Braves just kind of pack it in. Maybe they we even see them make a move for the future. I don't know, but I think there's no way they compete with just Freddie Freeman and Ozzy Albies holding down that lineup. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think about them maybe taking a step back, but I think there's also a lot of talent besides those guys. Like Albies has had a decent year. Dansby Swanson. I've always wondered why he's underperformed at the big league level. Yeah, I've yeah never... exactly. We're waiting for Dansby to break out. If there's ever a year for Dansby to have himself a second half, it's this year. Mm-hmm. And Austin Riley's just hit the cover off the baseball this year. So he's yeah. a bright spot. Um, and Freeman's a free agent at the end of the year. So who knows what they do with him? Um, uh, he's going to get lost. There's no way Freddie leaves Atlanta. He yeah, I think he's their he's their Buster Posey. Um, but I would have thought that it would have already happened by now. And you know, Charlie Morton's days of your staff with Max Freed hanging in there with the you know four almost four point three ERA. There's still a lot on. We have Ian Anderson's great. I should mention him. He's on the shelf right now, but he's great. But I am definitely concerned about Mike Soroka. Hopefully, he gets healthy soon. About Soroka, Drew Smiley, yeah, yeah, been a bright spot. It's a, I mean, looking at it now closely, I haven't looked at it this closely. I mean, I just looked at last year and said, well, they had great talent. Why are they underperforming this year? But now I could see why, you know, just injuries and inconsistencies and, you know, stuff happens, but, you know, maybe they could still turn it around and, you know, win like, 11 of 12 or something and go on a roll like that. Their bullpen isn't horrible. That's the other thing. They have a good bullpen, kind of solid. Um, so, yeah, I just – I don't think they're going to overtake the Phillies or the Mets at this point in the year. Um, yeah, what do you think about the Phillies? And I guess we'll we'll start going into our preview here. Phillies, to me, are the most intriguing team out of anybody in the National League. And I, I use intriguing, like confusing kind of, because they're 500 – and they've won seven of their last 10. So they're trending in the right direction. Yeah. And Joe Girardi is, is a really good manager in my opinion. And I, yeah, absolutely. We overlook them so much. I mean, I don't know why I, I, for some reason, I still view them as Gabe Kapler's Phillies. I just don't know why I still view yeah. them as Gabe Kapler's Phillies with, you know, Reese Hoskins and, you know, these are good Reese Hoskins, Gene Segura, Didi paper, Gregorius. They're, they're one of the best teams in baseball. On they, paper, are. they are. They are. Like, I don't know. I think they're definitely going to be big buyers of the deadline. Brad Miller and Andrew McCutcheon. Talk about some steals for them, though, man. I mean, yeah. just out of nowhere. Travis Jankowski's looked good for them. Uh, Gene Segura's just doing his thing, Mr. Consistency. But they're going to need to make a move at shortstop because Sir Didi has not been it this year. 222, eight home runs, 27 RBIs. 683 OPS, so he's not horrible, but 
uh, just if you're the Phillies, you need to make a move because you can't be average. And you got Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola leading your rotation. So you have two guys who, if you can put up some runs, those are guaranteed playoff wins if you have Wheeler and Nola taking them out. Yeah, and if they're contenders, I think they might need one more starter maybe and maybe a few more relievers. They had like the worst bullpen ever a few like last year. So probably they might be in the hunt for a bullpen arm. But also underrated player, Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper is underrated now. What do you think about that? that. Um, I mean, I'm still not going to say he's actually, yeah, I guess he is underrated, right? But it's crazy to think he's a $330 million player who we're calling underrated. I know it's great, but he's got nobody even realizes he has a 903 OPS. It's amazing. Like nobody's talking about Bryce Harper. Why? No one's talking about Bryce Harper. It's because it's because that $330 million. It's also because Philly fans hate their own team. So you're never going to hear uh, a compliment from a Philly journalist on Bryce Harper. Because uh, what? He has 34 RBIs. That's that's the crazy part to me. The fact that Bryce Harper isn't driving in runs, but he's. You think we see Bryce Harper in the leadoff spot? Uh, well, let's see. I, I mean, I could we could figure out where Joe Girardi has hit him in the order. Uh, I think he's been near the top. He might be two or three. Um, let's see. It looks like it looks like this season he started 55 games in the three hole and 14 games in the four hole. Um, so he's only hit three or four. So I would love to see him do like what the Astros did with George Springer for a while, hit him lead off, let him just kind of see the ball. And yeah, I don't know. This Philly team is confusing. Uh, I think they get it done though. I think they got a lot of momentum coming into this second half and with the Braves looking tough and the Mets haven't completely collapsed yet, but I know it's coming. Um, I think this might be the Phillies division this year. Yeah, I could see it. And I just got reminded. Remember when uh, Schwarber like hit lead off? They moved him earlier in the year and just went off. Yeah, and remember exactly. when Anthony Rizzo, same thing, had that yeah, big exactly. home run streak. I could see it. I could definitely see it. Um, what other division? I mean, I guess the, the NL Centrals. I really like the Brewers. I think at this point, it's. I like the Brewers too. I don't think they've even gotten hot yet, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. They haven't gotten hot. And you know who else hasn't gotten hot? Yelich. Once Yelich gets going, and I mean, he's coming off an injury. That's tough. But once Yelich gets going, that lineup is just going to scare people, man. Yeah, Yelich. Yeah, I completely agree. I think they're underrated. I think the big thing about them is how good their pitching is. It's amazing how good they're – like, if you run into the Brewers in a postseason series – and you have Woodruff game one, Corbin Burns game two, Peralta game three. That's those are three all stars right there you're running into. And you have Josh Hader at the back end. Woo! That's scary. That is scary. And even uh, Brent Suter, for whatever reason, has nine wins this year. I know. Yeah, yeah it'd be interesting to see where they at. 89 miles per hour, still showing that the slow guys can get it done. Yeah. I'd be interested yeah, to see I mean, where they add Woodruff Burns Peralta. I think they get a bat. And I think if they get a bat, they lock up the NL central. I think I'm going to agree with you. Yeah, they definitely do need a bat. And it looks like corner, maybe corner infielder first or second. I mean, yeah. Keston Hira has just been up and down, um, has not hit big league pitching at all. And Travis, Travis Shaw. Starter. 
Yeah, and he's hurt. So maybe they get a yeah. corner. Chris Bryant to the cross t- to the rival Milwaukee Burton. No, that no way they should have That wouldn't no. happen. I'm just throwing something no. out there. He was the first third baseman that came to mind. <laughs> like, I mean, the Brewers, it's weird for me, man, because they're kind of these teams in the offseason where they don't really get guys, but they get guys somehow. Like, obviously, El Garcia finally kind of living up to that $10 million they paid him last year. Vogelbach, I mean, he's not great, but he still mashes. And Colton Wong, that's one of my favorite signings of the offseason because he has just played stellar second base and he's hit the ball. Like, he's gone on base for them. He's doing what a second baseman should do. Yeah, 100%. And maybe they – I mean, Jackie Bradley Jr. has been not good. So that's that... – JBJ as Jackie Bradley Jr. ever been consistent? Not like this though. Not not as not not bad like this. I mean, he's hitting 169. I mean, it's I mean, scary it, part is a on the team in average. Oh, God, I know it's I mean, but yeah, Brewers definitely a fun team and I think they're overlooked because how good the Cardinals have been like the past decade. Like everybody just just looks at them as I, I don't think the Cardinals have had a losing season in like 15, 16 years, which is crazy. They're the San Antonio Spurs of baseball. They're just Mr. Consistent. Yeah, but they're. I think they're definitely out of it. Nine, nine games out. I mean, that should be the nail in the coffin. I don't know. They could, they could go on a run. The Cardinals seem to always find a way to go on a run. Matt Carpenter will go off again for whatever reason. <laughs> for whatever reason, I like They'll that. They'll have some random player we completely forgot about that's still playing or still like kind of left over from those runs in the 2000s. Like Adam Wainwright will go on a streak of five wins in a row at age 42. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, and then the West Giants still hanging on for dear life. Uh, Dodgers are back one game. Uh, to, I mean, that's in the Padres still five and a half. I mean, I think there's going to be three postseason teams. I mean, Giants odds of making the playoffs is like 90% now. So I think they pretty much have punched their ticket through a wild card spot. They're up five and a half games yeah. uh, in a wild card spot. So, I mean, that's pretty much a given. I think that three teams are coming out, but Padres got to get it going. I mean, they ha- and there's some really bad injuries right now in the West with pitching. Kershaw, Snell, Darvish, they're all out. Um, even Okay, I'm not even going to give Snell the benefit of the doubt of being injured. He has sucked this year. <laughs> get off oh, he- stream and get back into pitching mode because, dude, you are not playing well, man. It's the, it's the mystery of what happened with Kevin Cash ever since that happened. Well, no, nah, even before that, like, he definitely regressed after he won a Cy Young. Uh, and maybe that just wasn't him having the same hunger he had when he first entered the league. But, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of weird. And then Chris Paddock is just a nightmare for the Padres. Talk about the biggest tease of all time. What a rookie year. And then you just come in and you just, like, give up five runs in the third inning pretty much every start. Them and the Dodgers need an arm. And I think it's Jose Barrios. I think they're going to go after him. Barrios, yeah, maybe Max Scherzer. Barrios, though. I don't think the Giants want to give up any part of their future, to be honest, because this was kind of a yeah. year that they didn't think that they'd be competitive anyways. Mm-hmm. So I think if they could, I think the Giants' path right now, if they're going to add something, would be through rentals. Yeah. You know, they could get a Max Scherzer and not even have to give up that much. 
Well, how much club control does Barrios have? Because if he has two years, that's pretty much a rental, and I don't think you're going to get as much value for him. It might be two or three. Yeah. So I no, I think I think they sell high on on Barrios, and I think the Twins are definitely trying to get big league talent in return. Uh, oh, yeah. But speaking of Twins, what a collapse! Oh man, yeah. Let's jump over to the American. What a collapse for this team, and um, I mean, I talked about it with Brandon Warren, who said that the twins were just as surprised. I mean, nobody thought they would be this bad. I mean, they're supposed to get one of the wild card spots in the, in the central or in the, in the American league and be second in the central. And it just hasn't happened. I mean, I'm expecting Cleveland to sell too. As they should. I mean, Cleveland, and we were talking about it earlier. I mean, they've clearly won the Francisco Lindor trade as of right now. (laughs) Well, what's wrong? Like, why haven't they done anything yet? Like, they traded Lindor. Kluber's gone. But why? Like, if they traded Lindor. Okay, so if you're a team that's selling and you trade off one piece um, and it's a guy like Francisco Lindor, who's your cornerstone franchise player, everything has to fall after that. I don't care. Like, there's no excuse not to trade Jose Ramirez or... um you know, Shane Bieber or Plesak, or maybe that's the reason they're hanging on because they do have a surplus of young arms with Tristan McKenzie and Plesak and yeah. Savali. I mean, maybe now that makes sense. And then, you know, they have a good bullpen. Maybe you just add a few I don't offense. I Savali to be as good as he was, though. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. But I also think, what, they're 46 and 43. No one in the AL East has really proven they can get it done just yet. I think they might be holding on for a playoff spot. Possibly. I would I would not be surprised if you see Cleveland be sneaky buyers. Ooh. Especially when you were you were talking about earlier with the White Sox having a little injury bug issue. That's some time where they can gain ground in the division. Yeah, well, you know who has that second wild or who has um is three and a half back of that second wild card? It's the Mariners. So I mean yeah. you gain ground right there. Mariners are gonna come back to earth at some point, I think. So Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I mean, the fact that Detroit is ahead of Minnesota is mind boggling. Mm-hmm. I think the Tigers have something really good going on. I mean, we just don't really see it, but yeah, I think they're no, going to be really I mean, good. What, Torkelson and Riley Green are going to be tremendous players. And the fact that they already have Casey Mize and Tariq Skubal getting some innings at the major league level, crazy. And Matt Manning's still on the way. Like they have drafted well. They have redone this franchise, and let's just clap it up for Detroit for a second because things were looking horrible there for a minute. The team was emulating the city, and they're they're on the way back. <laughs> That's good. The team was emulating the city. Um, <laughs> one other team that we should probably highlight is the Oakland A's because uh, I think are you in agreement with me that that the you know it's the Astros' division to lose. Once the A's are five games back, yes. Three, they're still three and a half. Um, Fair. And if they can do some work at the trade deadline. That's what I was about to say. Yes, you read my mind. They might be looking pretty good come September, late August. Um, I don't know. The Astros are still somehow playing out of their shoes. And just, I think we just got to give props to Dusty Baker at this point. Like that he's just finally found a team where he can get it done. Yeah, you could make the argument that the A's have 
the most upside when it comes to this deadline and adding than anybody. Cause yeah. I mean, there's an obvious hole at shortstop Trevor story. There's, you know, you could add some depth a little bit to the pitching staff, which they seem to do or try to do <laughs> like. They always <laughs> add a reliever. So you'll see the A's add like some really nice reliever. Um, I think ever since John Lester and Jeff Samarja, they've gotten cold feet when it comes to training for pitchers. The <laughs> exactly. <laughs> which may, I mean, I can see them getting like John Gray or something. <laughs> yeah. Well the A's and then Chris Bassett is like sneakily one of the most consistent players in major league baseball. And I don't get it ever. Yeah. So I'm plugging my uh, computer. Yeah, no, he, he's good. An all-star for sure. Um, what happened to Frankie Montes? I mean, he, he looked like he was going to be a really solid three. But I mean, he looked like that a couple of years ago, and then he got busted for steroids. So there you go. I mean, <laughs> but I guess I guess uh, they're they're happy that Sean Manias arrived, kind of, right? I mean that that's this is my problem with you, man. Sean Manias never wasn't arrived. Like he's a great number two starter. The fact that they treat him like a number one is kind of tough. I don't think he's ever arrived. To be honest with you, I don't think really? he's ever been consistent with it. Uh, he's had some up and down years. I mean, he's been hurt, but I think this is Sean Manaya, you know, saying I'm here, that type of thing. Um, but what really hurts them is Jesus Lazardo, just not, I mean, that was such a letdown for me. He was my rookie of the year pick in the uh, American league. Did I even put him as my Cy Young pick? I can't remember. God, that was no, you did. I think that's that's a tough look for you. Oh man, he's in the minor leagues now. How is he not contributing? Whatever happened? I mean, just as almost well, he still seven... I don't know. That's a good question. I, I didn't really look, but here, let's, let's check this out. Yeah, two and four, six eighty-seven. That's tough. <laughs> um. All right, so here's May second, ten-day DL. May twenty-seventh. Rehab so he is pit, he is pitching in May 30th activated June 21st option. So I think he is just not pitching well enough to be at the major league level right now. Oh, and he's got a 9.50 ERA and six starts in Vegas. Wow. Late Jesus Lazardo and his his most recent start coming two days ago. Another an, another rough. Uh, God, that that sucks. I mean, there's you know, still a lot there. Oh wow, he went to Major uh, Stoneman Douglas High School. I didn't even know that. That's where that uh, that tragedy happened—the shooting at uh, in Florida. Just, just, just a weird side note there. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, God, that that's a bad pick on my part. But if he comes up and like, even if he pitches out of the bullpen and they don't get a reliever and he's that guy out of the bullpen, that would be helpful. Yeah, but I think their bullpen has always been solid. Uh, yeah, Frankie Montes right now just kind of looks like a solid number three starter, if that. I mean, he's he's got like 14 and 11, 380 written all over him. Yeah, I, I'm a little off on what the, you know, the A, or not, I'm moving tracks here to the uh, to the east here. I'm so down on the Yankees. What happened to and, you know, I know that New York people, and you see it on the timeline all the time, they try to, you know, overhype. Yankees lose like two in a row and Aaron Boone's fired. But I, they just, 
Oh, I don't I don't even know how to talk about them because it's just such a disappointment. I mean, I know they have a winning record, but you want you turn on a Yankees game and it's just there's nothing there. I mean, they they yeah. don't hit with runners in scoring position. Their pitching is very potent. Like there there's a lot of potent in the uh is that the right word? I don't even know if that's a word, but there's a lot of like Jamison Tyone, Jordan Montgomery, Domingo Herman. There's a lot there that you could work with, but it just hasn't worked. And this team, I could understand yeah. why Yankees fans are frustrated. Just a I bit. don't know. I think I think we knew pitching was going to be a problem for the Yankees coming into this season. I mean, Corey Kluber is just not even there right now. Uh, Luis Severino, do you think we'll ever see him on the mound again? Like, I mean, Domingo Herman coming off the domestic violence stuff, taking some time out of baseball. He was a great pitcher before, but now it's kind of meh. I mean, you just see Garrett Cole at the front of that rotation, and it's kind of like, oh, the Yankees will be fine. They'll hit their way out of it. They'll pitch well. He's but alone. Bullpen, like. David Robertson isn't there. Like the great bullpens of the past. It's okay. Here's the Yankees for me. It's two names. It's a Rollis Chapman and Garrett Cole. And you see those names. You're like, Oh, Yankees will be fine. And then it, you see the other guys and it's a bunch of meh, you know? Yeah, no, hundred um, percent. I think we did a good preview. We hit all the, the aspects that we needed to hit. I think uh, we also have three breakout players that, we think will break out. That's pretty self-explanatory. Um, so I'll start off with my number three. My number three is going to be Francisco Lindor. Um, and I, I might be just on the AL. The yeah. Yeah. Coming off from the DL, I think the IL, the IL. Yeah. Uh, coming back from the aisle, he needs to contribute. He started getting hot a little bit before he got injured, but you know, Lindor, I don't expect, you know, you can make the argument that he won't justify the trade in the first year and that you're going to have to look back 15 years from now. That's kind of the view that I I'm kind of taking. I won't proclaim winners or losers yeah. just yet. No, I um, yeah. yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, I understand. But uh, he started getting hot a little bit, like in his last 10 games, you know, he was hitting 333 and his last 28 games, 250, which is way better than what he was doing the whole like first half of the year. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And he's going to need to be an X factor if, if the, uh, if the Mets really want a piece of this division. So he's my number three. What do you have? I got Trevor story. I think once he gets traded, he's going to take off. Uh, he's kind of had a little down year for the Rockies. Um, he hasn't been that same guy who's a 30-30 threat year in, year out. But once this guy gets traded and he's on a team where he's playing meaningful baseball, he's going to surge. And I think we'll see him have kind of a Troy Tulowitzki-esque September-August run. And he's going to be a big topic late in the year. All right. My number two is somebody who was one of the best prospects in baseball for a while. And he got hurt. He got hurt in spring training. And the team that he's on is really banged up, as I mentioned before. Eloy Jimenez is on a rehab assignment right now. And right now in his rehab assignment, he's had like 
15 at bats in Charlotte in AAA, and he's hitting 267. Across both rehab assignments, he's hitting 318 with one homer, two RBIs. So he's, you know, a double, seven hits overall. He could be a major X factor. And I know I keep using the word X factor in the middle of this order for the White Sox in dire need of, you know, some replacement for what they lost with Ismani Grandal and what they lost with Luis Robert and what they lost with Nick Madrigal. So Elo Jimenez would be my guy to uh, be a breakout guy in the second half. Yeah. And before I get my second guy, can we just appreciate the fact that the Cubs, Theo Epstein, drafted this team into a champion and then just it all like what imagine that lineup now with Aloy Jimenez and Glaver Torres oh man (laughs) crazy and they just threw it away uh but my number two is Casey Mize we talked about Detroit earlier this is one of the top pitching prospects in baseball and I think he's finally figured it out he's five and five now um ERA in the, I think it might be mid threes, but he is going to be absolutely killing it for Detroit on this second half and give them them, give the Detroit fans something a little exciting to look forward to next year, especially with Tariq Skubal and Matt Manning probably joining the staff full time. So the Dodgers have played really well this year. We know that they've had some bumps and bruises, but for the most part, they've been a good team. Maybe not what we've seen from them maybe preseason not what we expected i should say um and there's one guy in my opinion that could change the whole complexity of this dodger team he's at the all-star game but i mean this guy is way better than even a 270 hitter it's mookie Betts. mookie yeah. Betts is gonna get going and he is a catalyst for this dodger lineup and once he gets going i think the entire lineup the entire team will feed off of him and uh, definitely, he uh, I could see him taking them on a big run coming up here. Yeah, he's like Francisco Lindor, where when he succeeds, he just brings the energy to the clubhouse, man. 100%. All right, so my last guy is not necessarily a, not a breakout, but a guy who struggled a little bit in the first half, and we were kind of like, oh, man, is this guy regressing? Was he a fluke? But it's Lucas Giolito. He's figured it out. He's now above 500 with his wins and losses. ERA incredible, already still only adding to an incredible White Sox staff. But, I mean, hey, if he gets it figured out, that staff is going to be ridiculous come the playoffs. I mean, even Dylan Cease, like Carlos Rondon having a great year. Lance Lynn just signed probably a steal contract, what, through two years, 38 mil for how he's been doing. He's like 199 ERA. But if Lucas Giolito figures it out, the White Sox are just going to run through the AL Central and just bring so much momentum into the playoffs, especially – as you mentioned, if Aloy Jimenez gets going when he gets back to the pro level. And Giolito's battled like so much this year. He's made every start. He got off to a rocky start and he's lowered his ERA to 3.9, which it was up a little bit before the year, but he's, like he's six. That's crazy. He's yeah. So he's, he's definitely hung in there for sure. We also came up with another top three list and uh, we talked a little bit about teams maybe making moves we came up with, uh, you know, the, the top three players, maybe under the radar players that might be traded. Um, I'll start. I'll, I'll, you know, my number three is someone back with the Twins who was unbelievable last season with them as part of the rotation. Uh, and now he's, 
not so much this year. I mean, he's been okay uh, for the most part, but it's Kenta Maeda. Kenta Maeda could be a big piece for a team's rotation. If the Phillies want to add an arm, maybe Kenta Maeda is a good alternative. He's 33 years old. Um, he is a free agent. He's still controllable. He's a free agent in 2024, so still a guy you would hang on to um, and at a very affordable cost. $3.1 million due next year and $3.1 million due in 2023. So a guy in age 34 and 35 seasons who would be a mainstay in your rotation. Um, and if needed, I mean, could come out of the bullpen like he did with the Dodgers for all those years. So definitely a, a guy I could see making an impact uh, with a uh, another rotation. Yeah, I actually, my first guy on the list is kind of a guy who I think would be a steal at the trade deadline. Not necessarily a guy you're going to get a good amount back for, but it's Gregory Polanco. Mm. Things haven't worked out in Pittsburgh. Uh, he was expected to do a lot better. He was expected to kind of have like that Josh Bell-esque, be a corner outfielder that could hit the ball hard, uh, maybe hit for average, but it hasn't worked out. And he's still got some pop. He's still got some life left in him. And I think that's going to be a great pickup for any team that kind of wants to buy low and get a guy who can – hit the ball out and put some runs on the board. I like that. I definitely like that. I could see him in, in Yankee stadium. Yeah. Uh, with that short porch and right field. That'd be a nice landing spot for Gregory Polanco. Um, my second guy is someone who would be similar a lot to Maeda in suitors. Like I think people that would be after Maeda would also be act, uh, after Zach Davies from the Cubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, like Kyle Hendricks, same type of pitcher, rely a lot on command and control. Um, but that has not really helped him this year as he's walked almost five guys per nine and he struck out almost six guys per nine. So pretty not pretty, uh, you know, disproportionate numbers there, but he's at a 4.37 ERA. Him and Kyle Hendricks are definitely going to help a team. Honestly, the Cubs are going to be a gold mine this trade deadline. And if teams want it, the Cubs have it. I mean, everything you think, everything the Cubs, you know, everything you might need, the Cubs have. If you want an yeah. elite bullpen arm in the back end, they have Craig Kimbrell. If you want a middle of the rotation guy, they have Davies. If you want yeah. like a number two or a number one, they have Hendricks. If you want a versatile bat that could play everywhere, yeah, Bryant. I mean, they have everything you need. One place in Chicago is like, could be the whole gold mine for the entire deadline. It's crazy to think. Yeah. That is crazy. But I heard they were trying to lock up Baez and Rizzo. Do you think that happens or are those guys? Rizzo's already locked up, but Baez, I think. he. I don't think he wants to stick around for a rebuild. Yeah, I could see definitely. I don't think Rizzo is locked up, is he? I can't remember. but They signed uh, him to an extension, or maybe they just avoided – I think they just avoided his last two arbitration years with a two-year contract. So I think he's hitting the market soon, but – I think he stays. I think he gets a long-term agreement. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure about a uh, Contreras too. I mean, why isn't yeah. his name out there more? So definitely this team's very expendable for sure. Absolutely. All right. So my number two is kind of a guy I mentioned earlier, but a guy that's not really talked about that often just because he does play in Seattle. And that's Mitch Hanniger. Uh He's one of the more consistent bats when he's healthy. Um and yeah, he just never gets the respect he deserves. And it's kind of crazy to me, but Mitch Hanniger is going to be a nice addition for any team, potentially even the Giants. Yeah. Coming home, a uh, an alumni of Archbishop Mitty High School in 
San Francisco or in San Jose. There you go. Uh, so definitely could see that for sure. They need a right hand to bat. Uh, my number one is a guy who, if they weren't in the same division, would be a great fit for the White Sox, and that's Whit Merrifield. I yep. mean, great fit for the White Sox. Whit Merrifield is the definition of a baseball player. Like, I mean, you look at this guy's skill set, and I'll only say this about like a handful of guys in baseball, but you look at a skill set and kind of a late bloomer coming up at age 27. He's 32 now, but has 200 hits, you know, in, in 2019, 193, just a baseball player, a good hitter, a good base runner, steals a lot of bases, leading the American League right now in steals, has played the outfield before, more of a second baseman right now. I mean, this is the guy, Whit Merrifield. Yeah. Why? I mean, I guess like if the argument would be, well, he's a lifetime Kansas City Royal, but was that was uh, at Coors Field during the All-Star game representing the Royals. Whit Merrifield to a contending team would be a lot of fun. Oh, no, absolutely. And he's one of those guys where, like, I think they kind of waited around for him to hit home runs, but he's a four- to five-tool guy depending on how you look at him. But my number one is everyone's favorite trade ship this kind of year. It's Jonathan Scope. This guy seems to always be in trade talks come the deadline. And it's not because he's a bad player. It's because he's just a surprisingly consistent player. And I don't think he's in Detroit's long-term plans. Hmm. Yeah, Jonathan Scope. I think any veteran that's like over the age of 30 wouldn't be in their, their long-term plans. And Scope is yeah, so 29 and, you know, getting up there, but still putting up some good numbers. Yeah, he's having a sneaky good year. And it's because he plays in Detroit that no one kind of realizes it. But uh, Matt Boyd's another guy on Detroit that I think we could see get moved. I know he's hurt right now, but he's been, his name's been on the block for years now, and I think it's finally the Yankee. He's, he'd be a nice Yankee target if they want to get a guy who can win them some games in the lower half to mid part of that rotation. Why do the Yankees always get those fringe left-handers like James Paxton and Jay Happ? I mean, they always get those types of types of arms. Well, didn't, Jay, didn't James Paxton and Jay have kind of work out for them come the late, latter part of the year? Kind of. It's just James Paxton's never on the field. Ever. Yeah. Ever. Um, and also, Jay Happ could be a nice move if the Twins want to let go of him. Um, oh, he's going to be a mid-rotation guy for some contender. Yeah. But Jonathan Scope, uh, one-year $4.5 million deal during the offseason. Yep. Awesome. And I guess it worked out for them because he's playing well for them. That was such a weird sentence, but <laughs> no, I remember him and CJ Crone were kind of the two guys they signed last year to kind of hang around and just fill like, or not like journeymen guys who were there for a year just to get some trade buzz and then get moved. But I keep thinking about that Orioles team again with Davis at first scope at second Who's that short? J.J. Hardy at short, Machado yeah, at third. Hardy. That's a pretty good infield. Yeah. No, and J.J. Hardy was one of those guys who would sneakily hit 20 home runs and steal 20 bags. So Yeah. Whenever I think of J.J. Hardy, I think of the ball that he hit in Baltimore that Mike Trout robbed. I think about it. Like, that's whenever I think of J.J. Hardy. I don't know. It's weird. I think about J.J. Hardy when he hit that walk-off on Boston to send Tampa Bay to the uh, playoffs that one year. Or was that – that was Evan Longoria. No, no, Evan Longoria hit it out, but oh. Boston had to lose, and J.J. Hardy walked off. Oh, that's right. That was the same night. Yes. That was Crazy. such an electric night of baseball. 
Oh, that was awesome. That was baseball. That might have been baseball's peak. That might have been why we're all downhill from there. No, exactly. That was that was crazy. There's so much hanging in the balance there. That was fun. Um, yeah. So we we kind of went over the preview. We did the All Star game. We we did the Derby. This was a definitely a fun episode. Um, we're gonna have some more draft coverage coming up next. Uh, some interviews coming up next. Some more banter shows coming up next as we move in. And the deadline, of course. Deadline. We're going to try and figure this out. We'll make a, I'll make an announcement of some sort of what we decide to do, but yeah, definitely want to be there for in maybe those final hours, maybe wow. final two of, uh, of the deadline. So we'll try and work that out. See the Rockies get ransacked. Yes. Trevor story going at uh, literally three fifty nine PM. Uh, yeah. Before we go, time. I just have to say Kyle Freeland sucks. <laughs> I hate this guy, man. Before we go, Kyle Freeland sucks. Yeah, just get that out yeah. there. I like to see it. All right, you could follow us uh, on Twitter and Instagram at RizzoCast. Thank you guys for listening. More content coming up soon, and have a great day.